Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast. This is your host, Elena, back again for another great episode of our podcast talking about leadership and other qualities that we find in leaders and ways that you can refine them. If you have been listening to us, you know how much we appreciate our community. If you want to follow along with us on Facebook or Instagram at Centurion Leadership Battalion, you can also help us out in a great way by leaving us a review. I would say a five-star review, but if you want to leave four or less, then let us know why. Um, But if you leave us a five-star review, we'd love just to hear a rating from you, what you love about the podcast, how you see this putting into work in your life. We would love to get that information from you. So it'd be a tremendous help to get that rating and review on wherever you listen to us. And now we have Justin here. We're going to go into another question today. How are you guys? Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening in. How are you, Elena? Sorry, I'm a little slow this morning. I did not get in until 3.30 in the morning, so but recording anyway. Problem. So, excited to hear. Yeah. But I'm enjoyed. Thank you guys for sharing. I see the numbers continue to go well, and we continue to get subscribers across multiple platforms. So that's kind of cool. Um, uh, so thank you guys, and I hope everyone's getting something out of it. And like Elena said, all we ask is that you share about it or talk about it or use word of mouth and, and spread leadership and leadership to your teams. If you want them to lead or you want them to get used to leadership, a good foundation is all of you hearing the same podcast such as this. So um, it works. Um, however you do it, read books together, whatever it is, but something you got to get started somewhere. And we will jump right into our question today. Today, we're going to talk about why fear is important in leadership and how you can use it to motivate you and drive you forward. So Justin, I will just go ahead and ask you that question. If you have any stories you'd like to share or any personal sort of examples, anything like that, and we'll get started. Well, fear, I, I think it's a good one. I think often... Um, we think of fear leadership and we think of like fear tactics or Nazi Germany, something like that to be blunt, Um, not to bring up something horrifying, but it's more or less the way fear tactics can be used to lead or motivate people. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, I'm talking about more of fear of failure. I'm talking about more fear of not having something in your life, Um, fear of dying without achieving a purpose or having friends or whatever it is that that fear is. I think there's a lot of fears that can be motivators. I think there's obviously a lot of fears that can be, I would say more times than not. Um, There's the fears that are demotivators, meaning they are there and they hold you down and, and they're the negative voice or there's some other person's negative voice that was instilled in your brain over years, whether it was a parent or a teacher or a coach or whatever it was. 
you know, often, you know, I, so I, I think we want to talk about fear inside the human um, and what that means in the individual. So speaking myoptically um, as Justin Bizarro, how I use fear, I don't, I don't want to talk about how we use other people's fear or, or how the borderline of leading when people are in fearful situations and how it's very hard to be not a fear monger and leading. I think we should make that another topic. So I'm going to make sure we make a note of that, Elena, with leading when people are in fear and not using it to your advantage to gain power. Um, I think is a big thing because when people are in a fearful situation, it's the easiest time to take advantage of them. So just a note for the audience that we do need to talk about, but this particular one is the fears that lie inside of me. The first part of it is how did those fears get there? Like, why are they there? I mean, because when we're born, if you look at babies and you look at puppies or anything, they're pretty fearless. Like we learn through experience, hard knocks, but we also get a weird invisible fence. And if we're to compare ourselves to dogs, teachers, parents, whatever, they put in this invisible fence into our life. And this invisible fence, like we don't even know sometimes when we're hit it, but that damn shock collar goes right off. You know, it's no different. And, and the way we handle animals is the way we often handle our children, which is often the way we handle ourselves in society. So these are very important things to look at. And we often project our fears onto other people and weigh other people and judge other people through our lenses and our experiences, which are freaking impossible for anyone else to even begin to understand. Even the person that's sitting right next to you that grows up in the same house, that may be your twin. They're going to have different experiences. They're going to have different thoughts. It's just going to be that way. And so <clears throat> the point being is how do those fears get there and what are they? Because I think as a leader, you need to identify the things that you're afraid of. You know, are you afraid of public speaking? Are you afraid of being authentic because of judgment? You know, those are the two biggest ones I often hear. Are you afraid of failure and everyone seeing you? You know, which is an interesting one because just like winning is a fleeting thing, failure can be a fleeting thing too, losing. It's up to you. You know, it can change from day to day, but it's up to you to get back up. So <clears throat> what are the things that you fear? Like, I have very strong fears of being unsuccessful. I have very strong fears of being broke or feeling broke or not having any money or a roof over my head or food on the table or enough food. I don't know why. It's just fears, um, rational or irrational. Um, but they are there, um, probably because of situations I've been in, but what are the other fears that are irrational? You know, some people are like, oh, I'm so ugly, or I have nothing good to say, or why would I post that? Or, you know, negativity gets sells more. So I'm afraid to be positive. I see a lot of that. People are so afraid to break out of the normal. You know, what is that fear? Fear of not being liked, fear of not being loved, fear of not being appreciated. You know, we talked about the five A's and the loving kindness episode, I'm pretty sure. Um, but those things are all also fear, the opposite. We're afraid of not getting attention. We're afraid of not getting appreciation. You know, we're afraid of those things. 
So we have to really look at ourselves and, and by the way we do things and what's sort of our primal brain taking over and ego, which is important. It's important to have confidence to go out in life and do it. But it's also important to know how to harness that ego and harness your fears and use them for motivation. Like I have a fear, like no shit. Sorry, guys. Like I do not want to be fat ever in my life. Like I, I've been what I would call fat for me. And it, it freaks me out because I do not want to die. I did not like feeling the weight on my joints. I did not like feeling the weight on my heart. I did not like feeling my brain in that situation. It just is like, it's a huge fear. Like it is a serious thing for me. And I eat sometimes I go way off my diet every once in a while. I'm a normal human. Um, but I stay consistent now. I would say most of the time of the year and I do 75 hard. So that a majority of the year that is where I am, but I still have sugar and everything else. And I know now when I'm lethargic, I know when my brain's starting to slow down or my body or my energy or why I'm not sleeping at night. And it has everything to do with the way that I eat starting number one. And number two is exercise. So if I'm afraid of something and I don't want something to happen, I, for Justin Bizarro, I use that fear to motivate me to do 75 hard, you know? And then once I'm in it, like it's less about the fear, the fear kind of goes away because I'm gaining confidence that that's not going to happen in my life. But I do remember to every once in a while, tell myself the story of when I was quote unquote fat or quote unquote, when I don't, when I know that I don't drink alcohol anymore, I definitely remind myself of the stories of the flashbacks of the drama that goes on inside my body and the, the weird things that go on because of what happened to me as a kid, you know? So like, these are things like you have to remember them and be afraid of them. Like it's insane for me to think that I can conquer something and without making adjustments. So yes, I can conquer things, but I have to make adjustments like, okay, I'm going to conquer it. I'm afraid of this and I don't want this ever to happen again. I'm not going to drink because I don't like it. I don't like the way it feels. I don't like what happens. I don't like my emotions. I'm choosing not to do it. So I'm going to move forward. That's just who I am. It's other things for other people. And I'm not saying you need to give up everything or, you know, there's all the vices or shouldn't smoke cigarettes or drink caffeine. That's not what I'm saying here or, or alcohol. I'm just saying that's the one for me. That's something that I use based on to keep my life in tow. Alcohol also leads to calories, which is also leads to being fat, which also works for that fear for me. So I have a double enforcer there when it comes to that. So it also helps you get into habits. Now I think less about those things and I need those fears less as a trigger, but I do practice them to make sure I keep myself in balance. It's one of my boundaries. The other side of my boundary really is the strongest one right now, which is motivation, which is positivity, which is getting into positive habits, which is exercise, eating right, the feeling I have there. And so that's, that's sort of it in a nutshell for me. I mean, how fears driven, I mean, how, I mean, there's got to be things in your life, Elena, that you're afraid of that help motivate you through your daily life, I have to imagine. And sometimes they can be bad things. Like, let's, let's be clear, we should identify and work on the good ones, not the bad ones. Um, and whatever you put water on will grow. So whatever you concentrate on will become the, your focus. But in any way, go ahead, Elena.
I'm interested to hear how you feel about this. That was really interesting um, that you said what you put water on will grow. I really love that. Never heard it said that way. I think that everyone has different fears and I think that it makes sense that depending on your fear, what you're fearful of, it will change your actions. I think that it depends on the ways that you're using those fears to drive you forward. So for example, your fear of, you know, as you said, getting fat or being fat or being overweight, whatever it is for you, um, that leads you to make healthier decisions, right? So you have a healthy diet most of the time, you work out, you stay active, all of those things. So similarly for someone who, you know, let's say they're afraid of failure or whatever it is, that person may always, you know, try to submit top of the line, you know, if they're in school assignments. And then once they have a job, they always want to perform at their max, all of these things. And so I think that your fears, whatever you're fearful of, whether it's, you know, getting fat or failing at something, um, they can all be beneficial, but I think sometimes, you know, we have to look at the opposite side of it, like you just said, and sometimes you're, what you're fearful of, if you're so focused on being afraid of things all the time or afraid of one thing all the time, it'll overtake your life. I mean, so many people that I know we're not going to get into actual mental health and obviously we are not talking about the type of fear that is a mental health disorder. You would need to consult a professional about anything like that. We're just talking about, you know, basic fears, um, but there are so many people that end up living their life inside, you know, this, this persona that doesn't even really fit them anymore because they're scared of jumping outside the box. And we talked in other episodes about even just being an entrepreneur and starting a business or doing something outside of the norm on social media, anything that causes other people to, to look at you and for you to be in the spotlight sometimes causes people fear. Um, and so in order to prevent that, they will live within that fear, so focused on it, and that will hold them back from whatever it is that they, they may be able to do, if that makes sense. Um, is there ever a time besides your fear of getting fat, which I need to think of a nicer way to say that, but is there a time that something that you're fearful of has actually held you back and then you kind of had to take that fear and kind of flip it to drive you forward? Well, <clears throat> so the the fear of being fat is just my internal voice. Like that's what I say to myself. It's not something I say to other people or how I feel about other people. I'm actually very introverted, which makes my fears a weapon for me in terms of arsenalizing my life. If that's even a word, I just probably made it up. But it's, um, but that's why I say it. I'm not saying it because I feel that way about other people or I think that way about other people in, in a way it's interesting. We naturally as humans want to be self-centered and focused on ourselves, right? So it, it's okay to capitalize on that ego, on that drive, as long as it's with the intent of also having self-awareness and growing. But it's also important to know that when you're doing it, that you're different than any other human. So for me to judge any other human or what's their happy or their fear levels or why they make the decisions they do, I don't know. And I'm not going to judge and I'm not going to do whatever. It's not for me. Like, and I'm Christian and, and a godly based person. So as they would say, it's for God to decide, you know, so 
I don't get wrapped up in things I can't control. So that's why fears are important. Often fears are based on the things we have no control over. Me being fat, I have control over. For me, I believe that 100%. I know it. I, I can tell you that I could slip easily like anyone else. I can eat a five-pound bag of freaking Sour Patch Kids like you would not believe daily. Like, no problem. Believe me, I've done it. You know, in high-stress situations, I'm not recommending it, but I've been there. I know even in food, in 23 years in health food, I've been a hypocrite at times. In going out there and selling healthy food, I didn't figure it out. I've been a hypocrite. There are times I'm a hypocrite. It happens. I'm human. I make mistakes. I let my guard down, do whatever. I'm way better at it than I was 23 years ago. But I am still human. But that human in me is way more disciplined now because I use fear to keep me balanced. So how did I flip a fear? Uh, gosh, I mean, there's a lot of negative fears. I think um, most fears are things that should be flipped. I think there's also fears that are irrational. Um, I think I irrational, we irrationalize our importance. Um, and I think it's, I think public speaking or doing something like a podcast for me was an extremely irrational fear because the reality is, is even though people comment or don't, there's people that don't like what we say, the people that have a negative voice will always be louder and say it more often than the people that have a positive voice. Positive people tend to be positive. They tend to be around positive circles. They don't tend to speak it outwardly as much just because when you're in a vibe and you're a positive person, you don't tend to try to drive or go against negativity because you're, you understand that negativity is said in some ways in some people and it's not for you, it's for them to figure out. And as a positive person, you can identify the people whose time it is to, uh, to sort of become a leader. So internally as me i fear i think we use a lot of negativity in our brains to protect ourselves i'm trying to really think about how i can use this example um god i don't know anything other than like having kids stepkids or a pet like a dog um they take, they bring balance to your humanity in a way that I don't, un, that I never could understand. Like it's important and it's important to have both the balance in my opinion of animals and children. I think it helps us grow, um, which is interesting. I'm a human who does not have my own children. So, um, and I preach about family and legacy and all that all day long. And by preach, I mean, I'm a heavily believer in it. And so the fear there is I could look at it as I have fear that my, my Justin Bizarro gene pool doesn't go on, right? To be totally frank and, and fearful. Like it is a very manly thing to want your name to go on and this thing and the other thing. It's like a very big fear like it's something that I would want and it's not that I can't have children or whatever it's just 
I made a different choice. And interestingly, in that choice, I got something different out of it by having to face that fear and make the decision of, if I make this decision and I go down this road, this means that most likely 100% and if I'm committed to this relationship in the long run with Deborah, that I'm not going to have children on my own. And so like, that's the thing where you're, I have a fear and now I have a fear that I'm not going to make a difference on the world and an impact because I don't have children. But the reality is, is just because I have children doesn't mean that I make an impact on the world. And so that is a big deal. And I think that in the world that I've seen, where I deal with fathers who have their own children, we lack fathers. And it is just unbelievable to me because as someone who's chosen to not have my own children, it doesn't mean I don't want them. It just means I've chosen a life and I'm proud of my choice to have two beautiful stepchildren and Deborah. That's my choice. But I just don't understand how people waste the lives or waste the ability to do an impact or hold their children accountable or give them chores or waste a life of time away while their kids and 20 years go by and they're so rarely without life skills. Like I'm talking like common sense, like just get by. Like if the world would fucking go to shit, how would a man keep take care of his family? For example, you know, the, we should still be men like just saying, just, just in case, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's all good, but we should probably be prepared. You know, and a lot of that is tribal knowledge that gets passed down. And a lot of men, I'll speak for men in particular because I can't speak for women. I don't know. But for men, fear becomes such a driver. It's kind of unbelievable. Men are very, just like women, peer driven. The golf courses, the cars, the all that. I'm driven by all those things. I look at them differently than that though that's the difference like between what i have a vision board it has cars on it they are trophies for me for my personal achievements i'm not doing it because i want someone else to do it i do it because i like cars why do i buy air jordans i like them they are my vic they are my trophies when i win only so you know, when I use fears and I use losing to learn and I actually win, I can benefit to it. I can use material things to promote Pavlov's law. Like I'm ringing the bell, guys, for myself and drooling over my own food. We are animals. We can train ourselves. And so fear in parenting or for men, we're afraid of not being liked. We're afraid of not being cool or the cool dad or we're so worried about what everyone else thinks or what our wife thinks about us. And we need to be more soft because she says so, you know, and then we give up masculinity in its entirety. I think that, and I'm just speaking. So grain of salt, everyone's going to say I'm a step parent and I'm not a parent parent because they're not my own kids. So whatever, we can just throw it out there and everyone wants to debunk what I'm going to say. Fine. But I think men have become afraid of being men, whether it's in our home, 
whether it's in our community, I think masculinity has an aggressiveness, which is masculine and fighting for what we believe in has sort of been frowned upon in society, um, particularly in the United States, masculinity and, and what it means to be man is hard. Like, you know, men are aggressive. It, it doesn't mean that we should be abusive. It doesn't mean that we should use it to harm someone. But in general, the male role is aggressive and fighting for the family and moving forward. And we stripped that of men. And then we wonder why marriages fall apart and women like 70% of women are unhappy in their marriage. Well, you're no longer have a man. And so he's no longer able to pick up his fricking sword and hop on the horse anymore and slay the dragon because he doesn't have it in him anymore. He doesn't have the ability to even know how to do it because no one's modeling it for him. And I'm sorry, we can say that society needs to grow and men, inequality and whatever, but you can't get rid of the necessity of there's masculine leadership and feminine leadership, regardless of same sex relationships, regardless of whatever, there has to be nature and nurture and masculine and feminine is part of it, regardless of the pronouns we use, regardless of whatever, it's part of the cycle of life, regardless of what animal kingdom, whatever it is, I'm not saying that we can't call someone whatever great, we can create whatever name we want. But what I am saying is that in the male role, in men today, we need to be fathers to our children in the same way that any father or any religion wants the next generations to grow. It's our job. It's the mothers to teach us nurture and safety, but it's still the man's role to go out and teach a male to go explore, go climb a tree, willing to break an arm, go get the experience. Without experience, we don't have much. And so the fear that's driving us, we need to be afraid if I'm talking about it, and it's I'm afraid of it because I see it. I'm afraid of not having a generation that has balance of both feminine and masculinity. And I agree 100%. It's been centuries of masculine leadership, 100%. And only recently have females been able to leave and there's still discrepancy and pay things and blah, blah, blah. I 100% agree. I, I do. I 100% agree with it. Not denying it exists. Believe me, I make a focus of my life at Food Service Partners as we do everything and as we go through restructuring to make sure that there is never anything like that in any of our companies, ever. Because I want equality in leadership because I think it's important to have both sides. I think it's important, and we don't even realize this, how important it might be to have both a male and female in a leading role in a country as co-presidents, not as spouses, but maybe as co's. It's not a dumb idea in the world that we live in to see both points of view. But it means we have to agree that there's different points of view because of our biology, which is true. And in that difference, men are never going to handle children the same way as women. But as a male and female, we can agree in the way that we raise our children. But in that, we should never expect women to have to be the disciplinaries if they're the nurturing ones. And yet, 
that's part of the reason we're losing masculinity, guys. We expect the women to run the homes, to work the jobs, and to discipline the children. Well, that's great. Or instill core values in them or make them better children and listen, not be here. No, sorry, that's not what you're supposed to do here. And we're afraid of making mistakes, so we leave it all to the women. Like just saying, it's kind of crazy. And then we wonder why we don't have our sons that are better leaders, or they're not succeeding in sports, or it's the coach's fault. No, it's your fault. Really, it's your fault. And if the kid doesn't like that sport, it's your fault for not listening to him and figuring out what it is that they like and being a fucking parent. And so, I mean, forcing a kid to not do what they want because it's your fear or your ego is a problem, you know? And so I would say that in parenting, I've had a lot of fears that I've had to really, really dissect and flip on their head for the benefit of two beautiful girls, women now that aren't even my children. And in that, I saw something that I feel that we all need to be aware of, which is we live in too much fear and afraid of what everyone else thinks. And it is, we are so afraid of it. It overly influences the way we raise our families. And we would so much rather have our children fit into society and be cool than actually prepare them for the 50 years after the quote unquote being cool years. And it's just a sad thing that we do. And we do it as parents because we want to be cool because we wanted to be cool and still live those glorified 10 years of their life. And we put so much emphasis on it because we're afraid that those are the best years of our life. And we instill it in our children by doing the same thing. And it's not the best years of your life. I'm still living the best years of my life. I'm still trying to uncap my potential as an athlete, as a parent, as whatever. But it means I've got to use fears and, I guess, flip them upside down. And I don't know why I picked parenting. Maybe it's because I don't have kids. Um, maybe it's because I see what happens when parents don't support kids' dreams, especially when they have talent and interest. Um, and it's all based on your own fears. So I think that that's why this is, tool is extremely important. Like I didn't get it into work, I guess. I got into a lot of being an athlete and, and what I tell myself in terms of exercising and what that is and then a parent. But I got to tell you guys, the better I exercise, the more discipline I became in my eating and, and the more I became a better parent and aware and and still at the same time, but disciplines in our kids just by living that way and, and all of us doing that way. And, you know, we go to any vacation city. We don't Uber around. We don't do ever. We'll walk 18 miles in a city if we have to. We'll eat our way through it, but we will walk. We will go do it. We will see everything we will can. We will experience as much as we can and we will do it. And every once in a while, if we get tired, we'll hop on a subway or an Uber. But the generally it is, is that we're instilling health even when we're on vacation. We're active even when we're not. And so it's just the way it is. And now we have Zoe who's going to Wadapalooza, who just competed at the games with her fiance, John, you know, in the 2021 CrossFit Games as a professional athlete. And is now 
going to Wadapalooza, which is one of the largest CrossFit game events in the world, if not the second biggest after the CrossFit Games, as a single athlete. But that's instilling those values. And it wasn't only me. It was also Deborah and, what, and her parents and her grandparents and her environment and us building a gym in the garage and encouraging that and getting over our own fears. Like, okay, Justin didn't make it as a professional soccer player. He tried. That doesn't mean Zoe's not. I tried. I did it. I went to Europe. I did all the things. But I had my own mental gaps and I didn't have someone in my life like me, even though my father's a great entrepreneur, there are still fears of failure and I need to go to college and I needed to do the status quo. I don't regret them, but I didn't put the same things on my own stepkids. What I did was I figured out what they liked and I encouraged it. And still Maddie is probably figuring it out, but there's some core things in there I believe she's outstanding in that she's going to find that it's related to business and communication. She's probably going to do really well if that's going to be her superpower. But it's encouraging that and letting them grow and not letting my own fears and my own ego get in the way. Because as a step-parent, right, I had the privilege of also not being able to blame unless I really fucked something up. So, yep, true fact got to be the hero, never the villain, blah, 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 blah. But in doing so and taking a step back, believe me, I was the villain plenty of times, I'm sure. It's, um, it didn't matter to me. And I realized that it, the perspective is your children love you and they look to you to get life skills. So stop being afraid of what your friends think and be afraid of what the world's going to think of your kids or your legacy three, four, five years from now. So that's for me how I switched it. I started caring less about what other people thought about me, about the behavior of my children, and thought started fearing more of what the legacy would be if I didn't do something. Or fearing if I listened to everyone else or I raised our kids the, the same way as everyone else. And I didn't do anything extreme. Don't get me wrong here. I just instilled core values that I had the benefit of getting instilled on a farm and going to a private Catholic school that lived by core values and a university that instilled, you know, a lot of core values through a liberal arts education and Benjamin Rush values and founding fathers. So I just core values, Bill of Rights guys, core values. Um, it's the same thing. And so what are you instilling in your kids? We can't live a life or a government or, or whatever without instilling core values. So be afraid that you're not making an impact. I mean, that's what I'd be afraid of. You want to make a difference and impress your friends and, and do whatever. The impressive thing is really to make people want what you have. And the only way to do that, it's not by fancy cars and whatever. Yes, people that do well have fancy cars and people envy them. But I, I absolutely encourage you to look at how they got the fancy car or how many years it took. And it wasn't just luck most of the time. You know, so they started somewhere, whether it was kids or someone instilling values or a lemonade stand. There's something there where it started. Um, 
trading stocks, if they're a stockbroker and they're a Goldman Sachs guy, they take an interest or they dedicate their whole life there and have no life and spend 10,000 hours in their first three years of work. You know, it depends on what you want to do, but the fear of not succeeding, the fear of being nothing, the fear of your kids being less than you will definitely happen if you overprotect them and you do not prepare them for more and you do not use fear as the reason to push into comfort uncomfortable and weirdly now my fear if i were to flip something i use fear as to go into the things that i'm afraid of and be uncomfortable like it's uncomfortable workout sometimes there are days i'm exhausted i was on a plane till 3 30 or whatever i didn't get home till 3 30 last night to georgia from denver you know, so in the meantime, I had to find my 45 minutes to walk. I ran. I, I managed to get, um, you know, time in and my diet and my reading and my water amongst all the chaos and everything else and having a very stressful morning work-wise, unusually stressful comparatively. And every day is stressful if you really want to talk about it. But I look at it as drizzling rain and not a thunderstorm here and there. It's just easier that way. Every day is filled with stress. Every day is filled with fear. We just got to use them internally to um, drive ourselves and not use our own fears to manipulate or drive other people like our children. Our own fear should not be used as manipulators or projected on other people to hold them back or to keep them from being something or admitting who they are. It's just, it's a selfish thing. And I'm not saying not to be selfish and using your fears to motivate you, but they have to be the healthy fears and a healthy fear of no one's going to like me or, and everyone's going to make fun of me because my child is a lesbian or gay or whatever. It's like, so what take pride in your children and give them some backbone and teach them what it's like to stand up to people, stand up to the bullies, like be a parent. There's so much to learn there. And guess what? because that's their choice, their kid. It's not a reflection of you. It's fine. It's a reflection of you if they have the, the courage and the bravery to move forward. That's a reflection of a human, not whether or not they choose to do something and whether it fits in your religion or not, whatever. Like You're going to have to adjust your thinking at that point, and that's going to be leadership, and that's going to be getting over your fears and reversing them. And often, People stay so attached to those fears, they take them to their grave. Oh, this person did whatever to me. Oh, either let it go or address it with the person, but don't be resentful your whole life because it's, it's so selfish being resentful. It takes away your peace of mind, number one, but it takes away everyone around you's peace of mind because you're miserable and resentful and all the things you're doing because of it, it's not helping your family. So whatever it is or fear or thing or embarrassment that happened that's created a resentment or whatever, you should probably look at what that fear is that's causing the resentment and why you have that resentment and what your part is or what the feeling is. Maybe it was 100% not your fault. There's still a part of you that holds on to it for some reason. And so what are those fears and how do you use them to motivate you in your life not to do them? Change your behavior, change your relationships, change the way you handle your children. Um, it's okay. And um, 
it takes courage and you're going to need to hold strong because if you change yourself, uh, other people's fears are going to run rampant. And the minute you start growing, people are afraid you're growing without them or you don't need them anymore. I think I just wrote a post about this recently, you know, um, and when that happens and other people's fears dominate you, it doesn't mean they should become your fears. You should know what your fears are. Be very realistic about what your inner voice is, like my inner voice is versus everyone else's inner voice. Um, and, um, and you need to be aware of when you can hear other people and it's okay to let them just talk. And it's a, a, what things from those people are actually things that maybe you should listen to. If someone's yelling at you and saying you're late and you're never reliable and you're late all the time and you're getting pissed and you're afraid because you don't want to get caught and you're being fear-based and defensive, that's not really what you should be doing. But you should know that you're reacting that way and afraid even though you're late for some reason because it's pretty obvious you're late all the time. So what is it that you're afraid of? Why are you being defensive? Why can't you just admit you're late? What is going on? Are you afraid? Are you embarrassed? You don't want to look that way. Okay, how do you not look that way? How, if that's the fear then, how do you then say, I don't want to look that way? Oh, shit. The key to being on time is being early. How do I bring that in my, believe me, I struggled, still sometimes struggle with being on time. Ask Elena on the podcast. I can get, have someone sidetrack my conversation because I feel the need to be intentional with my focus on everyone that's with me. And I have a hard time breaking off one person to go into the next person because I don't want that person to feel that I didn't hear everything that they had to say and that they were important because I believe every important person, every person has something to say and I can learn from it. And knowing that I'm afraid that I might miss something if I don't hear something that someone says is also that driver. So I have a counter weird thing. I'm afraid of being late and looking bad and not having people think I'm reliable, but I'm also afraid of not making sure I hear everyone because I want to make sure they feel heard. But I also want to make sure that I have all the information that I can, so I can make the best decision that I have possible. So, you know, they're going to counterbalance each other. You're just going to have to figure it out. But the first way to do that is address the fears and they are scary as whatever. Like, I mean, I, when I really went into addressing the fears, I was 30 years old. You know, it took me way too long. It took me too long to figure it out. It took me too long before I had the courage to go look for it. It had a lot. It had to do with circumstances in life that we can talk about in another podcast, but once I really saw the fears that were holding me back in my 20s, um, peers being liked, the relationship I was in, like it changed my life. And so I talk a lot about things changing my life and there's life changing is about stacking up of experiences and exposure and reading or educating yourself. But I think that you really fears are something that are sometimes illogical and they often cap our potential. And so sorry to keep going on and on there guys, but, um, Elena, I don't know how you feel about that. Cause you asked the question. I sort of zigzagged all over the place and we had a recording temporarily interrupted. So I think that everything 
is really helpful for those to just, first of all, you know, look at their lives and figure out what the things are that are driving them. If it's their fears, whatever it may be. Um, and really just, you said that it took you until you were 30 to really address that. And maybe someone will hear this sooner than that. And that will lead them to be able, you know, to address those fears and live differently and achieve whatever it is that they are looking to achieve. I think that it's very, very helpful. I think the, can you, um, I think the thing is, can you gain enough experiences or things where they all eventually come together? It's just that things came together with me, for me, <coughs> excuse me. And I, I just didn't have the tools available like there are now. I didn't have the podcast. I didn't have the Arite Syndicate. I didn't, no one told me until I was 30 how easy it was to get help from someone or that you could go talk to a therapist about fears or mental blocks or uncapping your potential. Like you can seriously, a therapist is not just to call you crazy. They will actually help you turn your help you turn yourself into a superpower like it's that easy the brain everyone talks about the power of the brain it's 100% true and the only person holding it back is you and it's the weirdest thing and you can't uncap it yourself sometimes some of the things you just can't uncap yourself at least in my experience never happened to me and I don't know whether that's friends I don't know whether that's groups I don't know whether that's online help you know, there's a lot of ways. Everyone talks about how expensive therapists are. There's now online ones. You pay like a monthly fee and you get like four sessions. There's all sorts of answers that I've seen people use that I've recommended in mentoring. Like I said, athletes use it. Superstar athletes use therapy as part of their mental sports psychology. And so there's no reason as business people or parents or whatever that you can't bounce ideas off of someone outside your circles, outside your peer groups to identify maybe that you do need to outgrow it. And, you know, it's pushing yourself out of your fears. You know, I'm always afraid of that. I don't know as much as someone else. I'm always afraid of that. I'm always afraid that I'm going to lose momentum at food service partners. You know, and I can tell you that my fears are different than my father's fears. So the way we lead and manage and do things, the same building, the same company, the same two out of the same basement, the same experience at food service partners, we still lead differently. We still very much have different fears. And my goals comparatively to his are way bigger than his, way bigger. So he wanted to make sure he built a business, took care of all of his people, especially his children, and built the next generation. He did more than most parents would, absolutely. You know, so, but he gave me the potential, potential. he gave me the ability to see that I, we could live that way and we could have a relationship as a family and build a business well beyond the normal relationships by having core values and all that instilled when we were kids. But he also taught me that it's only the beginning and that you can do so much more. And when you really parent, your kids can become really great athletes or really gay people in the world. And you can compound generations no different than my grandparents coming through Ellis Island or great grandparents and grandparents, depending on which side of that. 
and then my father being first slash second generation and me being third, fourth, however you want to look at it, it compounded. So we just need to not be afraid. Don't be afraid to get on the ship and go to the land of opportunity. Don't be afraid to move your family away from your social circles. Don't be afraid to not pay for the golf or country club or whatever it is, because that's what your friends do. And you want to spend the money going to expose your kids to the world. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I do. I have a lot of people I talk to that talk about lofty dreams and, and getting their kids to see the world and how they need to see it and they need the exposure so they're well-rounded children, but they're afraid. They're afraid to spend the money. They're afraid to give up the country club membership. They're afraid to maybe drive a smaller car or whatever so they have the money to do it to give their children more. But um, <clears throat> I definitely think that looking at those fears and the way that you lead your life and why you're leading the way you do is an important thing to identifying whether or not you're leading in the way that you are. And if you do feel you're, you have completion and, and, and purpose in your life, great. But I encourage you to look at what to, true joy and happiness is when you do it holistically and you change the way that you do it for not only your family, but the echoing effect of when you do it for your family, what happens when you do it for your community and your work. So getting over those fears and what other people think um, is whatever. And obviously someone's going to say, I'm a hypocrite. I care about being in shape and looking good and being healthy. And don't, doesn't that do what other people think? Yeah, it's great. Really. I, I got to tell you, but it's honestly, it's way better in all my experience. When I was an athlete, the inside didn't match the outside. Always that inside was a tough place for me. Um, alone or whatever. I didn't have a lot of skills there, but now it's the reverse for me. I've used the fears and stuff to make the inside way stronger than the outside. And I know what I can. I know how to stand up for myself. I know how to get people to back down. I know how to not let people take um, advantage of me. You know, if you want to talk about the number one fear I have, it's being taken advantage of. And there's obvious reasons um, we can talk about in like episode 12, but that's the one. And that one for me, like that one is the, a huge conquerable fear, but it's been one that I still struggle with all the time um, because I will literally, um, I will literally walk a client out the door. I, people are shocked by it. But the minute I feel they're taking advantage of me or, or my people or the people that work for us are trying to take advantage of us or take us for granted, it's done for me. And it's a very strong fear for me. That is a very powerful one. And maybe my business could be bigger if I just let people do that and I let just let them be the client. But I just, I don't have it in me. Um, and that fear of not wanting to be taken advantage of um, makes me probably overprotective of the people around me and the employees at food service partners. But that fear is so ingrained in me because of what happened 
I've had to turn it into something that didn't turn me into a hermit and make me not trust anyone. And I've had to use it into something that put me back on the horse, that put the sword back in my hand, that put the armor back on. And I identified the dragon that I now have to go fight as my masculine identity and purpose. It's bigger than that. I have my family. I fought that dragon. Now I need more. Now I need as a man to go out and find a bigger purpose. And I don't mean blow all my money and be some stupid entrepreneur. I mean, but truly go be more to a family, go be more to the community or the coaching or whatever, and get over your fears because your fear should be that I'm going to amount to nothing. And your fear should be that my kids are going to look back and my, and I was just some other father that blended into the world. If you're a male or a female mother, whatever it is, like, I don't know. But I got to tell you, even if you don't have kids of your own like I do, you should be able to make an impact, a positive one. And fear and whatever it is, like the people of today are not the people that are going to remember you tomorrow. Like, Like you shed layers, you change, your friend groups change, you move, you do whatever. But if you stay consistent, and you, the needles that you're threading your string through are always consistent for what I'm talking about, that legacy and that core value and that family growth, you will have a family that people envy, not because you have more money, not because you have more success, not because you have more, but because you do more. And the wealth that comes, the wealth and success that come from love is amazing. And The opposite of love is fear, straight up. So if you're fearful, there are probably things that you're doing that are making you very unloving towards others and unloving towards yourself. So why is fear an important tool in that way? Like, how do you not want to be a better lover? I'm not talking about only sexually. I'm talking about all the way around. Because without being a better lover, there is no wealth and there is no success. And I'm talking both money and happiness and joy and envy and whatever and a life of going to see the world. Guys, like sitting in your room and your house and retiring in the same community that you grew up in and your kids and you have been to three countries in the world. It's fucking ridiculous. Sorry. It's not leading shit. How you're going to put a kid in the world that doesn't even know what the world is and they're going to be making judgments in the world? I mean, we really have to think about it. How well armed are our children? What if they did become the president? Did we prepare them? I know we think it's outlandish, but we have to prepare them now. What do they like? What sticks? Oh, they like soccer? Well, you can take them around the world to watch soccer and see the world and the culture. It's what I did. I'm just saying that you can find ways and you can give up things or you can back out on going out to dinners or the lavish purses or keeping up with the Joneses to actually go do something more meaningful and grab memories and pictures and do an Instagram for your family and build value and teach your kids how to, you know, socialize around the world in different cultures and be respectful in all the different ways but also be able to then know that knowledge so they can go on social media, which is reached around the world and not insult anyone. Like 
you can't just teach it in a classroom. And so get over your fears. And if you're afraid because you've never traveled the world or you're afraid because you hear all the stories that the U.S. is the best or your country's the best and you shouldn't travel, it's just be smart. And if you're afraid going somewhere, it's probably a good thing. You should probably start off going to a good hotel, spend the money and get good guides and just wait. But when I said spend the money, you can go to countries that spending the money is not a lot of money. You just have to get there. So be smart. Use credit cards with points. Actually save the points for vacation. Stop being afraid of traveling because of COVID. It's if you're healthy and your family can go, be smart, do whatever. You want to be vaccinated, be vaccinated. I don't know, but be the best you can be and protect your family and setting core values, whatever it is. And the way you handle COVID with your family, honestly, you're instilling core, core values there too, whatever you want them to be. And I know everyone's worried about pressure and we don't want to kill anyone. I 100% agree. But we have life decisions that happen in life, guys. And the more you get into places, decisions are hard. How do you deal with a life decision sometimes? Sometimes it's your own family member. I, you know, I don't know. Life and death is a hard thing, but we should be prepared to have the conversations. And in a world that's suffering right now, we need to be having real human conversations, not just covering it up, blaming everyone, like, and being afraid and letting our own internal fears of dying rule the roost. Because if we're afraid of dying, then all we're doing is focusing on dying. And all we're doing for our culture is slowly dying. And we're doing it to our economy. So when a mindset as a group starts humming that way, that's what happens. You can have racism like Nazi Germany. You can have fear-based scare tactics that ruin economies. Great. I'm not arguing either way. I'm just saying be aware of how you handle it. There's a way to handle it without making it fearful. That's making it responsible. That's making it a core value driven. If that's what you want to instill, but educate on it versus just because and making it afraid that you don't want someone to die. It's just, it's a hard way to live because the reality is, is people die all the time. So there's no way to put any control over life and death. And so to start thinking or pretending we have some control over it, yes, we can vaccinate. Yes, we can do the things as humans, but ultimately there is no control. And so we have to be very careful how we handle this because it just because you mask and just because you vaccinate doesn't mean people don't pass away. And we're forgetting that part. So that's part of the education where it's, it's just, we're afraid. So we say things when we're afraid and we don't allow our own kids to see the whole view to start making decisions on their own. So I don't agree with every decision Maddie and Zoe make. I just don't make it my point in life to argue with them. If they ask for my point of view and they want my opinion, I give it, but not unless it's asked. Because I have to respect their opinions and I have to respect that they're young adults and I have to let them not base things off of my fear. I prepare them for life, right? If they're going to go do something stupid or they're not gonna go somewhere with a cell phone or they're gonna be out too late and not have a buddy system, of course, I'm going to remind them all the time. I'm not saying be negligent, but I'm saying if 
they're buying an apartment and blah, blah, blah. If they want to live somewhere, unless they ask me if it's okay or Deborah, which is mostly Deborah, I generally don't put my opinion out there because I need them to have creativity and trust in their own decisions. And Deborah is a really good proponent of it, but it's the truth in work and in life. Our, our own fears hold other people back. So I'm using children as an example, but you can see how our own fears hold people back at work. So we don't promote them because they're afraid of taking our job. You know, we don't, work without a vendor because we're afraid he's too good looking and might hit on our wife. You know, I hear it all the time. It, and some of the notions are ridiculous. I won't work with that person because I'm afraid that they're not liked in my community. Well, I don't care. Are they working? And if they're not liked in the community, are they still not working right by your side, helping pay and put food on your table? So how are they not helping your community? Because everyone in here is in your community and you're working and that person's working with all the people in your community to help put food on your table and put your kids somewhere. But we get so caught up in the fear and being liked and the social circles, we don't see really what's going on. So, sorry, that was very long-winded, and I absolutely did not actually think I was going to talk about fear that much. But. I think it's all going to be really, really good content for our listeners, and as always, we'd love to hear from you and just how you enjoyed this episode. You can also follow along with Justin on his personal accounts. I will let him share those, and we will be back next time. <laughs> <laughs>